What's up, heroes? Welcome to episode 69 of the Producer Life podcast. Today's guest is Nathan Bootwell, better known as The Living Proof, an amazing bass and dubstep producer based out of Los Angeles. His original tracks and remixes have racked up over 100,000 streams on SoundCloud. In this episode, Nathan and I geek out about learning to DJ in VR, his favorite plugins, his approach to producing and remixing, and his daily productivity habits. But first, cue the intro music. Nate, welcome to the Producer Life Podcast. Thanks for having me. I was really looking forward to this. I've, I've been listening to some of your music and you do an absolutely amazing job with your sound design and you've got some awesome remixes of a lot of tracks that I remember from uh, growing up. Mm, thanks, man. Yeah, I really like doing these uh, those uh, like rock remixes. Those are really fun. Yeah, they are. Um, how did Is that where you got your start or how did you, how did you get your start in music? Um... Well, like if we're talking like way back in the day, I listened to music all the time. I was really, I was really like the kid in my friend group who would listen to a lot of music and share it with my friends. But like, I I actually did not play an instrument growing up besides like, you know, violin in third grade or whatever. But um, <laughs> I think uh, we all I, played violin. In third yeah, grade. yeah. Yeah. Or like the old art recorder or something. Um, No, but I, I never really played an instrument. And one of my friends one day in like sophomore year of high school made the comment like, Nate, you really like music, but you don't play an instrument. And I was really, that was like, I, it was like, you know, obviously cliche, but like right after Skrillex dropped uh, like scary monsters and cinema and whatnot. And uh, mm-hmm. so turns out it's a lot easier to like pirate a copy of FL Studio than it is to to buy a guitar. So um <laughs> Yeah, that was just EDM, like dubstep was kind of like the flavor of the month. And so I just kind of started doing that and really stuck with it. Okay. So you started off with FL Studio and um, yeah. did you just jump on YouTube tutorials and kind of self-taught from there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I never did anything formal. Um, YouTube, it, the, it was kind of like the, re- I wouldn't say like, maybe I'd say like the renaissance of YouTube tutorials. It was like when everyone was there were like some big YouTube guys. Like I remember seamless R was like my guru at that time. Mm-hmm. And then there was like um, Zen world and some other guys. Now, now you can find anything under the sun, but like there's almost too many tutorials nowadays, but uh, yeah. Do you have some favorite ones that you still revisit today? Uh, I don't really, I'm trying to think. I don't really, look at youtube tutorials that much the most recent ones i'd probably say are like from a couple years ago like rocket powered sound i really like he was really good at nailing um like serum tutorials and then if and if you're if you're using fl studio seamless is your guy and i i don't just now that i'm using ableton a lot of his workflows and stuff don't quite apply to me as much but sure. the sound, the sound design is still freaking insane. <laughs> okay, how what was that transition like from FL Studio to Ableton? Well, it was inspired by Noah Haterade, 
actually just by going down to his house uh, a few okay. times and we would work in Ableton whenever we were there. And uh, cause I mean, I remember once I, I downloaded the trial of Ableton years ago and uh, couldn't, couldn't wrap my head around it. So just stuck with FL, but, but once he kind of forced me to, to make our collabs in Ableton, I just, I really, you know, I really like the workflow and I think a lot of people that use FL originally and switched to Ableton can relate. Okay. Well, I, I definitely want to hear about the workflow. Let me, let me ask one more yeah, yeah. question before we move sure. off of that. So where does, where does the living proof come from? You know, I, I think, I think, uh, I think it's just like brainstorming names with a friend and that one just sounded cool. Okay. Okay. You're uh I, I really loved, I think I mentioned this to you in the email. I I loved your not the living proof alternate identity on SoundCloud. Yeah. Complete with the uh complete with the spy glasses and fake nose on your profile picture. So I really I really I really like that. And I feel like it's a little bit underrated of a gag, but <laughs> I, I think it's, I, it's hysterical. Funny. I've never seen anybody else do it, but it, yeah. it, it makes perfect sense for your, yeah. your, your bootlegs and that sort of thing. So, um, very cool. So the workflow, what, mm. what drew you to Ableton from FL studio? In terms um, of workflow, was it working in session view or? Yeah, it probably working in session view. Anyone that, um, FL's obviously got some really, really strong features, but Anyone that like once you're you're done with a track in FL or nearing completion, if it's some complex bass music, you're gonna have like automation clips and you know different patterns freaking everywhere. There is like it's super hard to stay um, organized like that organized during an entire session. Ableton made it a little bit easier. Also, I don't know if this is a thing for other people, but Ableton runs a lot better on my computer. Like even when I'm almost done with a song, Ableton is still running pretty smoothly, even though it's it's getting towards 100% CPU. Whereas FL, when I'd be like halfway, uh, it would really start to crackle and um, like lag. And I have a pretty decent rig that I got a couple of years ago. Are you uh, Mac or PC? I uh, PC that I built. Awesome. Okay, so you're you're producing music off of the desktop. Yeah. Okay, and then when you go out and play, are you CDJs or what do you use? Um, I do have a MacBook um, that I do like that I have been doing sets on with my um, my tractor. Uh, fun, funnily enough, it is so busted. Um, even I used the MacBook for like graphic design stuff in college, but I, um, which I call it boot camped it so that I had windows on it too. And that's why I would run FL on my laptop. Um, and now it's just so busted cause it's like a deck, not a deck. It's like, it's almost a decade old. Um, it won't, it can't even go to the Mac side, but yeah, if I'll, <laughs> if I'll do a live set normally, I'll see if I can bring a tractor and then plug the, computer in okay i'm it's, terrified uh, of cdjs <laughs> oh okay what, uh, what makes you say that just uh, lack of familiarity or yeah just complete lack of familiarity actually this is funny story um i just bought like literally a couple of days ago i bought a um or ordered a vr headset because someone on facebook that i just i've never met posted like a dj life hack that you can get buy an oculus quest like 300 bucks and then there's an app 
that completely recreates uh, CDJs and it feels like 99% real. Really? So it lets you do virtual practicing. Yeah. And so, you know, CDJs are mad expensive. So yeah. um, I was like, that sounds like a, a, a good investment. Honestly. And you can obviously use VR for other things. I'm just hoping like when the time comes, like it will, you know, feel real enough. Yeah. 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 So uh, you'll have to let me know how that goes. I've got a VR headset. I've got a uh, Samsung Odyssey. Nice. Samsung Odyssey? Odyssey? I uh, had it for about a year, but I, I enjoy playing games in it. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to get um, some games in. Uh, let's hear. What is the one that – it's kind of like Fruit Ninja, but you move around. Um, Beat Saber. Oh, Beat Saber, um, yeah. That's really fun. And somebody put together a website where you can actually upload your own music, and it'll put together custom levels in Beat Saber based hmm. on your music. Um, that's so cool. that's – yeah, it works – reasonably well some of my tracks it worked pretty well with and other ones the levels were just absolutely impossible so um it's a little hit and miss or at least when i tried it but but vr is is definitely fun i'd never thought about it for uh dj practicing so that's pretty awesome yeah if you're if you're interested i think the the app is that's on is called like tribe xr i think yeah i don't know if it's if you can do it for samsung but that's that is yeah if it's quest that may be restricted to to it seems like there's kind of this walled garden for the quest vr apps as opposed to um like mine is very steam centric Um, okay well it says join on steam here so maybe you could oh okay i will i will check that out yeah um so talk to me now, so you you converted over to Ableton. You like the workflow better. It it uh, it, it wasn't as CPU intensive. Uh, what does it look like when you when you start off a track? Where do you usually begin? Uh, I have I have a template that's pretty pretty basic. It just has groups for like um, you know basses, drums, uh, or like main drums, like kick and snare, and then like high percussion. Um, and then like synths, which is usually like intro and build up stuff and then like effects and, uh, and then vocals. Um, then, and then I just organize, um, like a lot of my favorite stuff in the folders on the side thing of Ableton, which is one thing I really like just being able to make folders and like categorize the stuff that you normally use as favorites yeah i'm sure you could do that you can do that in fl but it just didn't seem as intuitive um so yeah i just uh and then normally it depends if i have like an idea of what i'm trying to do i'll i'll do that but normally when i open up like a new project i kind of just like throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks (laughs) do you start with uh uh, MIDI, or do you typically start with sound samples, or or do you start with a reference track? What do you do? Usually, I start with MIDI, I'd say, and try to find like a good bass sound, and then, I mean, like over the past like six months to a year, I've been trying all different sorts of stuff, like trying to see, like I've been testing out a lot of workflows, but um, mm-hmm. usually I'll I'll try to nail down in MIDI you know, with, with some, with post-processing, like a good serum patch or, or something along those lines. And then 
and then from there try to add on to it and make it sound crazy and or resample it or and whatnot okay so you you kind of start with the base sound design maybe maybe a simple uh simple note progression and then then you work on getting the sound right first yeah yeah because i think uh, especially in bass bass music the the sound design is really key to the song yeah absolutely now i when I listen to your music, I a lot of times I think dubstep, and you've got hashtag dubstep on a lot of your stuff. Or you, or do you just see dubstep as kind of a subcategory of bass music? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, um, and dubstep is also probably like the most close as far as like SoundCloud tags to you know goes to what I make because there's only like dubstep and then like electronic music. Yeah, that makes SoundCloud sense. tags are not going to get super close to like. 110 bpm glitch hop yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all right um now you mentioned you mentioned you don't play an instrument so your your kind of go-to instrument then is it is it silent or do you have other favorite synths uh i serum is is definitely the go-to oh serum uh, i'm sorry yep yeah you're good um serum and then i've been playing around with razor a lot by native instruments hmm, i haven't um, tried that what what is that like? It's it's a it's an additive synth, so it like creates everything out of sine waves, which is really cool. And it's got mm-hmm. some. I, I haven't really been able to use it successfully as like a main sound, but it can create some wild sounds that you can resample, like messing with uh, the different filters and also the um because it's an additive synth. It has like modes that you can uh, stretch and like expand the harmonics away from each other closer together in weird patterns which makes the it just it sounds really weird and metallic and squishy but it's really cool um Hmm. and then i do i'd say serum for like basically most things and then for like pads i usually go to like omnisphere because omnisphere's presets are already like basically perfect (laughs) <laughs> and then for the guitar, I use a uh, contact uh, shreddage three. Okay. Yeah. You, you really, I hear those guitars featured in a lot of your tracks, which is why I was a little surprised when you said you didn't play them. Cause they sound very organic in the tracks. Yeah, they sound, I mean, I mean, shout out to, to shreddage. It's a phenomenal sample pack, but I, I, I'll give myself a little bit more credit I, ever since I've started using guitars more, I've been getting more familiar with like, um, guitar amps and and stuff. So like now I use a lot of like weird guitar amps on like synths and stuff. And I really like doing like guitar-esque, um, processing to non-guitars to get like a really kind of like industrial grungy sound. Hmm. When you say guitar-esque processing, what sort of things are you talking about? Um, basically just putting guitar rig and like other, um, like amplifier emulators on is just, they're just, they're just really heavy distortions, but they're like modeled after, uh, you know, old guitar amps. Okay. Nice. All right. So, um, so you've got some guitars, you've got your bass line, you've got your, your, uh, the sound design, you're, you're using pads from Omnisphere, um, a lot of your tracks seem to also have a very melodic component. Do you, 
how do, how do you go about getting that piece in there? Uh, I don't know if I have a set way. I really, I really do like melodic stuff and that, that has had to be like self-taught pretty hard over the years. I took a, I guess, I guess actually what I'm about to say, I'm not completely self-taught, but I took a music theory class in college and then basically had to teach myself how to do melodic stuff in more interesting ways. Cause it's pretty easy to, to just, you know, nail down chords and keys, but I I've been striving to try to get more interesting melodic things, but um, as far as putting it in tracks, uh, I don't know. I think just it's, you know, melodic stuff is always welcome in the intro for sure. And then I think it's, it's welcome in like the breakdowns and stuff. And if you're, if you're going for like a less, you know, freaking ragey song. It's you can you can do that as the drop too. Yeah, yeah, sort of m- melodic dubstep type track. Uh, mm-hmm. So you um, okay? You do a lot of a lot of collaborations. It, it looked like you know you mentioned uh, Haterade, for example. You did a collaboration loud and clear uh, the other year, and you've you've worked with a lot of other artists out there. How? how is that different than your usual process? Where do you start collabs? Um, definitely. Uh, the past few collabs have all just been, um, you know, either me or someone else, uh, just having like a work in progress that they'll send you that okay. they, they, that they feel like, you know, has your name written on it or they, they feel that you would be, that you would work well with. Um, I actually, funnily enough, probably have more collabs in the works right now than I have like out in release. Um, wow. Uh, but I feel like that's largely in part to uh, like the B to day thing, which maybe we'll go over at some point. But um, I, uh, I mean, collabs are, collabs are interesting. Collabs are fun. Um, they're, anyone who's done a collab definitely knows sometimes like it's, it is, I know everyone says it's a compromise, but you really have to tell yourself it's a compromise when you're working on it. Like, uh, you, sometimes it's hard to, to be able to see like that, the decision the other person made and be like, Oh, I'll do it this way. But it's like, that's not the beauty. You're really trying to, to combine both your styles if you didn't you know what i'm trying to say it's but they're they're fun i really like them do you, are are you mostly doing it for the end product to put out the track or do you find yourself learning a lot from the collaborations where you're asking him hey i really like the way you did this what did you do or what synth are you using or are, are you also learning from the process uh, I'm definitely learning a lot more when the more involved it is, obviously the, the more you learn, like when I would go down to San Diego and hang with Haterade and like work just like, you know, in the same room with him uh, on a track, I think we learned a lot from each other. There's a few collabs that I'm, that I have done and that I'm doing where you're just bouncing stems back and forth and like, that's mm-hmm. fine, but I don't really learn anything. Um, it's just like, here's my part. 
you know, go for it. And you, you can ask. And, you know, sometimes I do ask like, oh, that's neat. How'd you do that? But um, I feel like if, if you're trying to go for a learning experience, the best thing would, to do would probably be like be in the same room as them. Um, and other than that, I think mostly I'm usually going for the final product um, because, you know, there's some artists I just really like. And I was like, if I can, you know, if I can get on a song with them, that just, just, you know, feels good. Yeah. And a good way to, to grow from their audience and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, have you tried mixed in key just launched a plugin called satellite? Have you heard about that? I don't think so. It, you drop it on your individual tracks and then it, as I understand it, it basically bounces a real time audio file to a web page so that a collaborator can work with you real time and see the stems and download them kind of as they're occurring. So it it allows for real time stem based collaboration and it's free currently. Hmm. So it looks, looks pretty cool. I've, I'm, I'm kind of thinking I'm going to try to find somebody to work with on that because uh sounds like a neat way to do a workflow. So that does sound um, pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a link. And um, when, when you do a collaboration with somebody um, one of the things that I've run into in the past is, is how do you handle the splits on the royalties? Are you, what distribution service are you using? Um. Well, for every collab I've done before, it's always been put out on a label. So I'm kind of just at their mercy, you know, whatever their royalties they do. I've actually never really had to deal with splitting royalties, um, like outside of, outside of those. Okay. Um, So the labels are all handling it for you. Yeah. I'm also lucky enough to be in a, like I, I work nine to five uh you know at a day job so i'm I'm lucky mm-hmm. enough where music is is still pretty much a hobby and i don't i don't have to worry about maximizing the profit too much yet okay as i said you've done you've done some amazing remixes um i i, I love you. your lincoln park remix uh you've oh, done some classic you. metallica uh rage against the machine um just really really cool remixes um how do you start those i assume the workflow is a little bit different there yeah so like full transparency, um, I absolutely love all those songs. I don't just pick popular songs to remix. Um, those are all songs that, you know, are very close and dear to me and I love them. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I do like remixing them because they get clicks, you know? Yeah. Um, but for songs like those, uh, first, you know, you try to you try to see if you can find um, like a, like a clean acapella or something. Um, and also I don't, I don't remix songs like that unless I have something in my head that I know I want to do for them first. I wouldn't, uh, that's the, otherwise I would probably be rex- remixing a lot more popular songs, but, um, okay. for those I had like ideas in my head on what to do before them. Um, other than that, just like, uh, trying to i'd say layer the song like with electronic elements and what i mean by that is like for for super popular songs that are like songs like those that are 
like that I listened to a lot as a kid. I don't really want to like destroy the legacy or like piss off fans of that artist. Like I want to <laughs> keep keep the the soul or the the vibe or you know the general structure of the song intact. I don't want to completely mutilate it just so I can have um the name and the title. Okay. Uh so I usually try to keep the structure similar with just like you know kind of modern edm elements um carrying it instead of just instrumentals okay and, uh, so yeah so you build the electronic elements around the acapella yeah yeah especially for that that catalyst re- remix um i mean it's like it's like over two minutes until the drop i really wanted to really make the the vocals um you know the the core like the the spotlight of the track okay do you have uh favorite sites that you use for acapellas uh not really i think for any song that that i would do like just just googling it is is good enough okay after you've all right so you you come up with a it's not so much that you come up with but before you start with a track that you love you you wait till you sort of have some inspiration. You find an acapella, and then you do you. How do you work out the chord structures and that sort of thing? It sounds like you and I are kind of in the same place without a lot of formal, uh, yeah, musical training. So, where, what do you do for that? Um, well, I definitely like look up the the key and BPM before doing that, or just as I'm doing it, so that I'm aware of you know, what key it's in. Um, and I'll, I'll analyze the song with like, um, you know, a spectrum or something just to see what the, uh, like the, the chord pattern is. And sometimes I'll follow it. Sometimes I won't. Um, it just depends if you want to switch up the vibe a little bit. Um, when you say you, and I'm not familiar with that. When you say, you mean the, the spectrum plugin in Ableton? Um, yeah. Or any EQ by that. I usually just mean like, you can just pinpoint like the fundamentals of, uh, like chords. And so I'll just kind of take note of the chords that are being played. Um, it's pretty hard for me to do by ear, but that's why I just have to, you know, open up a, an equalizer and, and take a look at what frequencies are being played. That's I, that's a great common sense approach that I hadn't thought of. That's mm-hmm. that's a good idea. All right, so you get the fundamental frequencies. You look at the, you work out the chords, um, and then you start layering electronic elements um, without trying to while still trying to honor the original acapella or core element. Yeah, and I mean, in like like in the Catalyst, there's a there's a key melody that um, is in the original song that I just took and uh you know used made my own patch and had that melody repeat a bunch so like like similar elements just kind of done with different modern instruments yeah well they the uh the ones i listened to turned out really well and and you definitely honored the original piece while while giving it a a modern twist so uh nice work on those um you mentioned a few minutes ago the beat a day. What is that, and and um, when did you start that? Um, that was again inspired by Haterade, and that was kind of like a productivity challenge where I'd make like I should have called it like a drop a day. I feel like 
I feel like that would have been, that rolls off the tongue a little bit better. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I would basically just try to do, um, make like a pretty shoddy buildup, but like a, a good idea for a drop every day. Um, but I, I didn't, to be fair, I didn't do it on weekdays or weekends because I was, I'm busy on weekends. But every weekday for, for 30 days, I did it. Wow. Um, and it, it, I ended up getting a lot of, you know, works in progress, which was really nice. So now I have like a pretty wide selection of stuff if I'm ever stuck of stuff that I can work on. So, um, the drop, you're just talking about the, the big high energy 16 bar. So there, did you also include the buildup or just, just the drop? And that's all you focused on. Uh, I'd, 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 I'd make like 90%, spend 90% of the time on the drop. And then when it was done, I would just make a very bare bones build up with like some drums and a riser and then like a really i i did a lot of voice recording of me just saying really stupid things and like you know putting some vocal processing on and then having that be the the pre-drop vocal okay all right um so of those 30 that you uh that you did how many of those do you think will actually become a song um well, eh, probably realistically, probably like five, <laughs> honestly. That's, I mean, that's, that's great though. That, you know, yeah. that, that's five new songs ideas in, in one month. That's, that's good. That's really yeah, good. They're, they're, a lot of them were like, like, I'd say most of them were like solid, but not, you know, not solid, solid, not like you want to make them into a song. Okay. If if you were to turn one of those drops into a song, um, what would be the process you would use? Let's say you had one that just was amazing. What do you do once you've got the drop worked out for a, for a dubstep track or a bass track? I mean, it kind of it kind of depends, but mostly just uh, you. I think the only challenge is is making the intro and build up. It needs to match the drop. So whatever vibe you're going for, you just, uh, I don't know, just, just kind of make an intro. I don't really have, uh, intros are probably the things I have the least consistency of, not of quality, I'd say, but of like workflow. Like I, 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 I can go all over the place with how to, how to make an intro and maybe, maybe that's not a good thing, but. Or, yeah. or maybe it is. I mean, it's yeah, not, maybe. it's not repetitive and boring, you know, yeah. um, it, what you said was interesting to me. You said the, the buildup needs to match the drop or, or, or something along those lines. Yeah. How are you just talking about? Well, if you're using synth noises in the buildup, then are you using the same synth patch in the drop or what did you mean by that? Um, just in terms of energy inter mostly in terms of like, how hard the drums are hitting, how much, how much like rising action, how much, just how much energy is in the drop in the, in the build, like comparatively to the drop. Cause if you have just like, if you have no buildup or just a very light buildup where it's just ambience and then like, I don't know, just a, a few claps. If you have a huge dubstep drop immediately after it's going to sound incredibly jarring um, and then conversely, if you have a super intense buildup where there's lots of drums and there's a really uh, high pitched riser going, and then it and then it drops into a 
tech house drop, it's going to sound bizarre. Okay. So it's, it's really about matching the, the energy. Yeah. It's okay. just pre- like preparing, kind of just preparing the listener for what, what they're about to hear. Okay. What has the last year looked like for you as a, as a producer? Have you had any goodness come out of 2020? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, it's been stressful. Um, pretty much just, just in terms of like, I, I, I do, I, I do have a nine to five, but I also do work from home. And so I have the opportunity to, um, to work on music when I'm not, when I'm not super swamped with work, um, mm-hmm. which is nice because it's not the busiest job, but now for the last year I've, I've, I've felt like I need to be productive 24 seven. And that, that feeling kind of has the opposite effect. Like I, I I've been, I've, I'm always like, I need to do so many things because I also, I also have other like um, stuff I need to work on. My, I, I work as a graphic designer and I'm trying to get more into other aspects of graphic design, like, like uh, video animation and, mm-hmm. um, and just other things like that. And that stuff takes a lot of time too. Uh, and then, you know, so I'm, I've been trying to balance actual work with like music and then any other passion things. And sometimes I, and I wouldn't say I just like collapse under it, but there's days when I wake up, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I have a lot to do. And then I'm just on Reddit for like three hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get overwhelmed and so you don't do anything. Yeah. Um, but in total, it's it's I've been pretty pr- productive. I'd say I'd be, I've been more productive than other years, even if it's not as much as I should have been. I ha- it's been a pretty decent year, all things considered. So so I I'm sure you're not the only producer out there that struggles with you know distractions like Reddit. So what do you have any tricks for staying focused when you've got things you need to do? Kind of. I have things that I've tried and they've worked for a bit. Um, I'm I'm definitely doing better now than I did earlier. Um, for me, uh, one thing that helps is waking up early. The earlier you wake up, within reason, um, the easier. Like the more you feel like like you should be productive. Um, like if, if, if I get up at, at noon, which I don't do often, um, but like, if I do, like, I'm just not going to feel like I, I want to work on stuff. Um, but when I get up at eight, I, I usually feel like uh, I can like, I can like start doing stuff now and like have the whole day ahead of me. Um, uh, I, I've, you know, I started working out, um, pretty regularly. I can't really tell if it's had a uh an effect on my music productivity but you know i i assume it's probably just good in general so i keep doing it i, I um, hear that's the the scientific consensus <laughs> yeah <laughs> someone told me that working out was good for me but i you know we'll see uh and then uh, other than that maybe like some mental attitude changes like like telling yourself that you want to finish a song or like you like 
bringing music back around to something that you enjoy doing because every time I'm like distracted, it's not, it's mainly because like I've just lost a bit of interest in the, in the part of the song that I'm working on and just, I'm just like trying to procrastinate working on that. So it, any, anything that like really makes you fall in love with music again is really good for productivity, honestly. Um, like when I did the beat a day thing, uh, I would do it every morning. And one of the things I did was, uh, try to do like a new genre, like every day. And that experiment, I mean, I, I, I did repeats, but like I, I covered a pretty broad range. Um, but like that experimentation was really, was really freshening and like, I, I, I became excited to like, to work on something that I had no idea how to do. And I was, I was really productive d- during those 30 days. Um, cause I'd say before that, uh, if, when I would try to like open, open the software and try to work on something I'm like, uh, oh, okay, I'm going to make a dubstep track today. Cause you know, dubstep is the thing. And like, you know, I just wouldn't really feel like working on a dubstep track, even though that's like, it's kind of what you have to make these days <laughs> if you're a bass producer. Um, maybe you, maybe you need a um, alternate artist identity for what, what, what other genres do you find yourself gravitating towards? Well, first off, I, 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 I put out a good amount of like non, that's kind of why I use the, the term, the umbrella term bass music. Cause like dubstep's under there, but I also, I also like trap and like mid tempo stuff. Some people call it glitch hop. Um, like I like drum step, which is just like fast dubstep basically. And then like, I like drum and bass. Um, I like more melodic stuff too. Ba- I, like, I like a lot of stuff under the, the bass music umbrella. And that's not to say I don't like dubstep. I love dubstep, but I, I, I I can't be one of those artists that like only puts out dubstep. Sure. So uh, when you were doing the beat a day thing, the drop a day thing, um, <laughs> how long did it typically take you to put together a good drop? Um, if I wake up at like, I want to say it's probably four or five hours. I'd probably spend okay. like, one or two of those hours just kind of like throwing random shit at the DAW and seeing what sticks. But then like once, once an idea starts to form, it, it gets fun and you really get to hone in and like really make something like night. Like most of the song is conceived in the hour right after I've like, I like when it clicks like, Oh, that's what that drop is going to sound like. And then it starts to fill out in your head and it's pretty easy to fill in the rest of the drop. Most of the stagnation is just like, man, I don't know. I don't know what this is going to sound like or what I even want this to sound like. So it sounds like a lot of the drops are kind of happy accidents. It's just yeah, experimentation. I'd, and I'd say most of my drops are <laughs> happy accidents. I mean, uh, okay. there, there's definitely, there's definitely a good amount of drops where I have, I have a, a like an idea, but like on the way to that idea, I'll have a happy accident. And then it'll derail a little bit. Okay. 
so we're we're thank God 2020 is over. Uh, we are moving uh, quickly into 2021. What are your plans for this coming year? Uh, I want to collab with more people, which I'm kind of already doing, which is fun. Um, I'd like to do. It d- depends. I mean, depends how COVID and things are, but I'd like to do more like DJ sets or like live stream sets. I have some friends who set those up and I'd like to do more of that. Um, biggest thing would be if, if I could manage, I'd love to get a manager. That'd Mm -hmm. be great because handle like sometimes I just have no idea where to go with my music or what to do and having someone for, you know, to manage that for me would be really nice. Um, and other than that, not much. I, I, I enjoy just, just working on music almost every day and just kind of making what I like. Yeah. And it sounds like your side hobbies, the, uh, uh, graphic design and whatnot. I mean, that, that just goes great with producing music because now you've got your, cover art or your visualizers for YouTube or whatever, you can do that yourself instead of having to hire somebody else. Yeah, that is nice. Um, I have been thinking me, I might, I might do like a, like a rebrand or something. Uh, I think it, it, one thing that would be necessary. I, I, I think necessary would be to really like hone in on like find and then hone in on a unique sound and create a good brand to go along with it. Of course, easier said than done, but (laughs) I think, and I wouldn't try to just do that all in one swing, but I think that's what I'm trying to move towards. I think with every release, I'm really trying to find what, what I can make work specifically for me and then really trying to follow that. Yeah. I I certainly hear from a lot of of artists that, you know, your sound is something that evolves over the over your entire career and isn't necessarily something that just bam there it is and that sticks with you for a decade you know um sometimes it's a very long-term process and and changes over time you know there's a lot of big acts that have really evolved their sound over many many years yeah no that's definitely true um i think i'd say if you could make the distinction between your sound and your style, I'd say your style, while it does change, it changes a lot less. Like, like my songs from, you know, five or six years ago, um, obviously probably don't really sound that much like what I'm making now, but you could, you can listen to them and be like, yeah, I can tell that you made that. Um, and I'm sure that goes for any other artist. Like you can, you can, there's, there's similarities in the, the the vibe and the energy and you know the arrangement and sound choice even that some people will that are you know will never give up okay um so people that are looking for you online where where's the best place to find you uh soundcloud okay all right and that's um the living proof and not the living proof which is definitely not you no, no, I don't know who that is. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I will make sure to link that in the show notes. And um, yeah, I really appreciate your time tonight. 
Yeah, thanks, man, for having me on. Oh, it was my pleasure and, and really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening to the episode. Don't forget to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. I'll have links to Nate's music and remixes on the show notes page. Just head over to ProducerLifePodcast.com and look for episode 69. Oh, a quick personal update. I've moved my studio from Orlando back to Atlanta, and I'm busily getting unboxed and setting the new studio up. On top of moving, April's been huge for me in terms of music. I'll have had three releases this month, one original and two remixes. Earlier this month, I released my original trance track called Reach, Last week, I released a Mortal Kombat theme remix to coincide with what I thought was going to be the release date of the new movie, although they pushed it back a week. And then next week, I've got this crazy Scarborough Fair remix featuring cicadas and a Latvian opera singer. So go check those out on your favorite streaming platform. From a promotion standpoint, I wouldn't normally recommend releasing three songs back to back to back, but in this case, I was trying to ride the hype around the new Mortal Kombat movie, as well as the attention the 17-year Cicada Brood is getting. Yeah, you heard that right. I'm trying to time a music release around insect breeding cycles. So, busy, busy month, but lots of good things coming. Until next week, this is the House Ninja, reminding you to be somebody's hero today. (laughs) 